Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Smallville Retro Reviews. This week we are going to um, actually review, or do an overview of Smallville Season 6. Somebody say! set the record straight on that season, which most people seem to dislike. But, yes. but before we get ahead of ourselves, I am your host, Michael J. Petty, and with me is my amazing co-host. Ruiz Kim, what is up the podcast world? Yes. So, was there anything you wanted to say before we got into it? Yes, thank you for the segue. I wanted, if you... Just recently listened to our podcast on season nine. I made a couple mistakes. First of all, for the BlackBerry users out there who I may have offended, um, there was a little bit of tech news that um, I wasn't aware of. That there was some there was some traffic and a lot of overdue information. Let's say on the BlackBerry servers. See, BlackBerry only has one server that runs all of its internet and text messaging through, and that caused the web browsers on Blackberries and text messages to go down. That's why I had a problem with Blackberries. I'm sorry if I offended any of the Blackberry users out there. And I may have been a bit too hasty about Blackberry, and I apologize. And secondly, Smallville is available on Netflix. That was my mistake. Smallville is available on Netflix, but not the instant watch, only in DVD form. So sorry for the confusion. Hmm. Why is it not an instant watch, do you know? Well, that, not to go too in-depth with that, it's not on instant watch because there's a difference between getting your um, programs via DVD and instant watch. The reason why Netflix jacked up its prices, and I don't know if you know this, Petty, Netflix went, recently went through a price hike where if you wanted to rent DVDs and stream instantly, it used to be $7.99 a month. They jacked it up to 15 The reason they did that, or at least the reason that was given to the consumers, was because they wanted more stuff on Instant Watch, and the and the now and the networks and the studios said, "I'm sorry, we can't, we can't do that for the price we're at. You you're asking us for. We need more money." Hmm. I don't know if that's the truth or not. I don't know if that's the that's you know that's just what what's really going on. But yeah, you can't get net you can't get Smallville on Netflix just yet, only in DVD form. Sorry for the confusion, guys. Hmm. Interesting. So, where are we to start? Well, let's let's start off with the controversy, sir. Um, most people think that when Smallville ended its four, I'm sorry, five year run on the WB, that season six was a letdown. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I agreed with them. I mean. We mentioned on the episode on the on the pilot podcast that the WB and CW, the WB and the UPN merged into the CW, and there was a lot of shakeups because of that. And one of the shakeups was a lot of the shows that started out on the UPN and the and the WB had to 
we find their footing again. And you'll see that in a lot of the old um, WB and UPN shows, like Veronica Mars was another one. And because of this, you get some, some like, jagged episodes. But in the end, looking back, season six was not a bad season. No, it's really not. It's honestly my favorite season, as you know. It's a season I started on, and it's a season I would probably watch over and over again if I had to pick and one. I, I talked to one of our mutual friends, Mr. Joe Hamrick, about this, and you and one of our mutual friends, James Hansen, about season six, and I was talking about, oh, the one from, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, from about... From Justice through, let's see, Nemesis. I call that the Arc of Awesome. Mm-hmm. And if you, and yes, there's no like co- continuity, like long continuity. But I will say, season six, episode by episode, it the strength was there. But as an arc, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. And, Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Well, I mean, I under- I definitely would agree with that. I think Justice through Nemesis are- is, like, one of the best arcs ever for different reasons. I really like Lana trying to figure out Clark's secret and going into extremes, kind of like how Lex did, to figure it out. I like that. I like Clark going after zoners. I love Promise and Justice. Combat is great. Nemesis... Prototype is amazing. Prototype's amazing, but that's not in that, like, arc. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, no problem. But, yeah, Nemesis yeah. is great because it's the Clark Lex episode. Yeah. Like we said, let me just reiterate what we said before. Justice from, the, which was episode 11 of season 6, to, let's say, episode 16, Promise. Probably one of the most solid runs in Smallville history, just great episodes back to back to back. Well, it's definitely a lot better than Bride through Requiem. Yes. Now, I liked those episodes, but... But there, not the way they were made. There was one or two of them that kind of stunk, but not in the case with season... But not in the case of season six. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, to go into what a little bit bit of what happened you're pretty much strapped into your rocket seat by the time we finish season five into season six is that correct penny this is correct because we start off with clark in the phantom zone terrible time to start watching the show and let's let's say this and we're gonna jump across the board for a little bit season four going into season five you had a little bit of a grace period even with, you know, Arrival. Yeah. You had, if the audience didn't see season, any of season four, or at least Commencement, which is the finale of season four and one of the best ever, um, you had a little grace period because if you were a Superman fan, you understood what was going on. Mm-hmm. But when season six started, if you weren't a Smallville fan, you would have been completely confused. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and Zod is probably the top in the top five of the greatest openers in Smallville history. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Zod and, is a great we, episode. And do we need to explain why? It's called Zod. Figure it out. 
unfortunately does not feature Callum Blue as Zod. However, Michael Rosenbaum plays General Zod. So. And he does it in a way that that is kind of more drone-like, which is fine. I This is kind of a side note to me. I wish James Marsden would have been around for at least 601. Yeah, because he was gone all through season six. And really, you don't understand why he was gone until season seven. Well, it's because he's the black box. Yeah. Or, and and the thing about Brainiac is that you can't really kill him, which is something from the Superman animated series. You can only really contain him. But that's another story for another time. Mm-hmm. Well, see, um, I, I don't think Rosenbaum Zod was really drone-like. I think, I think it was... I think he acted like Zod. And I think he got the character down to a T. He just didn't look like him. And I think that's what threw us all off. Yeah, I think... I think if... I think if Rosenbaum maybe changed his look a little bit in terms of clothes, more than just a more than just a purple and black trench coat, I think it would have been more convincing that he was Zod. Well, I mean, let's face it. If we would have, um, if we would have heard his voice on like an animated DVD or something as Zod, we'd say yes, that's Zod. Yeah, and the real payoff. I mean, there's several payoffs. One payoff is um, the Phantom Zone, which was, I thought, because just for historical reference for the people that don't really understand this, there had never been a, we never seen the Phantom Zone really, even in the comics you never really see the Phantom Zone. You do in um, Jeff John's run. Okay, but... Before that, though. Before, well, yes, and Jeff John's run was like during season six too. Yeah. Or and, around um, that area. But like what I said, and thank you for the correction, Petty. We didn't. You never. It had been referred to in the Donner movies. It had been referred to in the Superman animated series, but you never actually saw it. So it was kind of jarring for us to to hear Raya, who we find her of her backstory, Welcome to the Phantom Zone, which I thought was one of the best endings of a teaser ever. Somebody save me! <laughs> oh, and, oh, just before I forget, in, in terms of season six, sadly, this is the first season without Mr. John Schneider in the credits. Yes. Which is sad. It's very sad, sir. Yeah. Very sad. I kind of have the same book that we would see him in the credits still, but no, it was the sad confirmation that he was gone from the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, just between us as fans and some of you who have listened to Starkville's House of L, a lot of us found Starkville's House of L through the then HD DVD, Blu-ray DVD featurette on the season six um, home video package called Superfans. Yeah, I mean, I did. That's how I first heard about them. Then Dan was like, "You need to listen to them." And I'm like, "Yeah, all right." That's what I. That's what I. I heard about them too. I. I told this story about like 15 times, guys. But I'm gonna go through it again. I had gotten season six on Blu-ray. I put it in my PS3. I watched Superfans, and I. My, I had just gotten a. 80 gigabyte Microsoft Zune, and Zune had just gotten like a podcast support, 
So I was in the Zoom marketplace. I put in Starkville House of I thought, why not? It's something new. And here I am recording a podcast, what, like three, four, five years later now? Well, I mean, see how much impact it really has. Yeah, I mean, and Derek told me, like, over Ustream when they did a live show in season nine about how many people found the podcast because of that. Mm-hmm. And and Superfans also has the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Suzanne Kesser. Mm-hmm. Who, I think, who I think all the small male fans are in love with, but I digress. <laughs> yes, you do digress. Moving yes. on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love the deafening silence? Yeah. Awkward. Edit. Edit? Yeah. But, I mean, there are other episodes of the season. Like, this season doesn't really have a good second episode. No. Like, Sneeze, no. I like Sneeze for what it is, just not as a second episode. It's more like a season three or two episode. Yeah, and, and, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Petty, but, did, but does this season start the mythic first episode, awesome, second episode, into the bowels of suckage? Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. But the payoff of the episode of the second episode is Clark getting one of his last superpowers, which is the super breath and the introduction of Oliver Queen. Mm-hmm. And before we get, because I didn't want to mention this, the season revolves around Clark escaping from the Phantom Zone. And when he escapes from the Phantom Zone after he's sent to you by Zod, he releases all of the Phantom Zone villains, or the Zoners, as Chloe calls them. Chloe gets to name honor. everyone. She does. Yeah. Lucky. Which Chloe? Chloe seems to seems to always name these things, doesn't she? Absolutely. She always names like Brainiac or your Bizarro Twin or the Martian next... Manhunter. Yeah. Um, Justice League. And she, Super and she also says Superman in the finale. Small, small alert. Yeah, and she says, she calls the Justice League Super Friends all the time, too. Yeah, and she says up, up, and away. So the writers like Chloe, like, christening things, I guess. Chloe keeps breaking the fourth wall. This is a problem. Yeah. Well, she doesn't in Thirst, but we'll mention that for our Halloween episode. Yes. <laughs> um... And we have to mention this too. Season six is the debut, the debut of Mr. Justin Harley, and Mr. Aaron Ashmore. Yes, and Mr. Aaron Ashmore, who I thought was the the meteor freak from season one, uh, until I found out he was a twin of Sean Ashmore, his brother. Wait, you thought they were the same person? I thought they were. Well, come on, can you blame me, really? Well, I mean, they look really similar, but the difference is one is Iceman and one is Jimmy Olsen. Well, I couldn't tell at the time. Uh, see, I still could. I'm like, he looks just like him, but I know and, it's not him. Yeah, and and oh, and the debut of for Seinfeld fans out there, Mr. Jack Charles Fillmore's as the Martian Manhunter. You guys have pet names for everybody, don't you? Yeah. Who told you people about all that? 
And in the case of Phil Morris, similar to James Marsters, we don't know who he actually is until, like, near the end of the season. Unless you're, like, watching it on the DVD where it says Martian Manhunter. Um, yeah, because which he doesn't. I didn't at the time, which thank God I didn't. I know, right? I spoiled everything. Well, see, I did, so I was like, "Oh darn!" <laughs> <laughs> and so, then, and then so, Dan's like, "Have you got to the Martian Manhunter episode yet?" I'm like, "Oh come on!" <laughs> but, but there's several storylines going on here, which I think, which I think should be mentioned too. We have the Jake Chloe romance of Jimmy and Chloe. The Chimmies. Yes, which. For those of you who have watched season four, when in um in um Pariah, Chloe mentions that she slept with someone and and his name was Jimmy, we find out that yes, it, it was in fact Jimmy Olsen, Mr. Aaron Ashmore. Look at him. Wait, was it Pariah? Um, yeah, she mentions that um a bow tie guy named Jimmy um was the first guy she ever slept with. And then they mentioned that, I think, in, like, 603, I think. Okay. When um, Jimmy and Chloe are in the car. Yeah. If there was one loser out of this entire cast, because out of this entire cast in season six, I think it would have to be a Nato tool, unfortunately. Yeah, she really had nothing to do. Yeah, she was like night and day from John Glover in season seven. Wouldn't you agree? Well, see, John Glover in season seven had a had a better role than Annette did in season six. Yeah, Annette was like in a lot of episodes just in one scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's the funny thing about season six, though. Episodes that I hated at the time, I like now, like Static. Oh, you didn't like Static. Yeah, I didn't like Static at first because because of this one reason, and I know it's a it's a petty reason. No pun intended, folks. Um, Clark's only in there for like three scenes. Yeah, it's really a Lex episode. Yeah, which which at this point Lex Lex and Clark have, have parted ways. Mm-hmm. They're not friends anymore. No. Lana is with Lex. Which, which some fans actually liked, believe it or not. You no, know, some fans are stupid. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a fan of the Klana. I was not a fan of um, Lana being with Lex, especially especially since the events of Zod. Oh, no. Um, but I will say this, the whole Lana pregnancy storyline with Lex was actually really well done. Not mm-hmm. my favorite storyline, but it was sure sure as hell a lot better than Clark, I love you. No longer we can't be together. Clark, just trust me. Mm-hmm. At least that was more interesting. But mm-hmm. moving on, well I'm hold, just gonna hold. name some episodes and we're just gonna give our own give our thoughts on them. Crimson Crimson. Yes, Crimson. Crimson's up there. Best use of Red K ever. Yes, because we got to see Erica Durant strip right in front of us. Um, yes, and the infamous <laughs> tattoo. 
Yes. Which would be awesome in like season nine or ten if if Clark noticed that she still had it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it'd be hilarious. <laughs> um, I like and on the on the subject of of uh, red kryptonite, I like it when it's not it's stripping away Clark's inhibitions and it's anger underneath there like we saw in red. Yeah. I like it. I like it better when he's already angry when he takes it. Because in other cases he's just silly. Yes. In other cases he's just silly or apathetic, which is which is like congruent with the comics, I guess, in that sense. Because in the comics, red kryptonite is more of a jack of all trades. One one piece of red kryptonite does like five different things depending on what it does. Mm-hmm. But in I like it when he's angry because that scene in the loft with um, Lana, Lex, and Clark, probably one of my favorite scenes with all three of those characters. Oh my gosh, yes. And, and I, I don't love I, it when Clark is choking Lex and he says, and this, and this line will never go away. I will never forget this line. If I knew who you were going to be, I would have never saved you off that bridge. Oh my gosh. And you have to wonder. Was he? Was that the Red K talking, or was that really Clark? I don't think it was really Clark. Because but how? But really, would Clark have been the bad guy in that sense too? Yeah, in a way. I don't think so because, to me, a lot of people would probably have had the same reaction Clark, Clark did when Clark said that. Yeah. Well, you know, being Superman, I guess you can't do that. No, you really can't. And I don't mean to, like, digress here, but this would, like, really get on my nerves otherwise, and this is not your fault at all. But the ep- the episode where Chloe tells Lana about Jim- Jimmy's actually unsafe, not Pariah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's not your fault at all. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm nitpicky. You know it. Well, the... To my, in my in my defense, those episodes could do kind of bleed together because it's the Alicia Clark. Oh, absolutely, saga. absolutely. It's the episode right before it, so you're really like, it's not that big of a deal at all. Just yeah, yeah. And we'll and hopefully we'll talk about that because I really like that saga. But again, to throw out another episode. Oh, I almost forgot. This season marks the directorial debuts. Correct me if I'm wrong, Petty, of both Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum. Um. Tom might have. Yeah, Tom. Tom did Hydro. Season five, he might have. Tom did Hydro. Yeah, Tom did Hydro, which involved guest star 90210 alumnus Tori Spelling. Oh no, you were you were right. You were right. It was season five where he started. Was it with the? Telekinetic Quiet Girl? Yeah. Okay. What was that again? Fracture. Fracture, thank you. It was Fracture. But, um, season six was Michael Rosenbaum's directorial debut, and he directed Freak, episode 15, and Tom directed Hydro, episode 10 of season six. Mm -hmm. And Freak, I thought, was a fantastic episode. Freak was great. Yeah. Freak was really well done. Um, we, that's the episode where Chloe, Chloe figures out she's a meteor freak, and we really don't know what her meteor ability is. 
until the end of the season, which I thought was kind of lame. We found out about it. Yeah, I agree. I was upset about it too. But yeah, I it's a cool ability though, and I'm really upset that she lost it. I don't know how you would lose a meteor power, but I don't know. Yeah, that was kind of Miles and Al's last act of screwing things up before we got the awesome Veritas thing in season seven. Well, before see, I go any further. For my part has been a bit because we have to mention this one. Search with Jay. Justice. 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 Yes. Yeah. This is okay. And I'm Dan and I are still gonna do the Justice episode. We're just working out when we're gonna do it. And I'm sorry, Justice fans, that we haven't been able to get to it. I'm upset too. I'm gonna have to butcher Dan about it, but. Justice is the episode that got me hooked on Smallville, as Wu knows. Yes. Because I talk about it a lot. Yes. Yes, I do. I will not but lie. That's okay. It is okay. At least you're not talking about Noir, which we'll get to. Well, at, yes. At least it was not Noir, because, well, you know. But <laughs> I, I have to say this about Justice, and I think Marvel kind of ripped it off, not directly, of course. But we had seen former, I mean, well, I shouldn't say former, but current DC Comics heroes in other seasons. We had seen Bart, Bart Allen in season four run. Mm -hmm. We had seen Victor and um, Victor Stone and Arthur Curry in season five. Yep, and we just saw Oliver at the beginning of the season. Yes, and the other big storyline in season six is Lex Luthor's experiments building, um, super soldier meteor freaks. Yes. In a facility called 33.1, which we do find out in static. Yeah, and 33.1 was, uh, just a bigger version of level 3 from the first three seasons. Yeah, and it's kind of hinted at in, like, season 3, season 3, season 4, of what he's actually doing. Yeah. Because we do see in, like, season four with, um, the Mixus Pitalik episode, when, at the end with, um, Mixus Pitalik and Lex, they go into, like, a steel building, and I've always kind of assumed that that's what the beginning is of 33.1. Yeah, I'd agree with that, because then it's... That's my own, that's my own fanfic, I'm, I'm not verifying that, I, that's just what I think. Well, Mixel Pitalik is mentioned in the Chloe Chronicles, right? Yeah, I think so. So wouldn't it work? Yeah, it would. It would work. I don't. I don't know if they were setting that up, but Stephen Tonight wrote and directed this episode. And if you're familiar with Stephen Tonight on his current show Spartacus, or on his earlier work on Angel, or even in season four with his great his great writing in season five, he wrote things like Splinter and um, not Spell. Yeah, I think he did write Spell. He he has written some great episodes. This had great action. This had, Justice had great action, great writing. I, this is one of those episodes that I wish had two hours. If this was two hours instead of Absolute Justice, I think the series would have been better off. Yeah, because really, if you... Because, please, and this is going to be a plug. Please check out... um. 
Stephen tonight's interview with our friend Derek Russell on Starkville's House of L podcast. Oh, it's so cool. Because he gets into the fact that there's so much more he wanted to do. Yeah. But they didn't have time. Which I thought, no disrespect to Jeff Johns, I just wish that Stephen and I had that same luxury. Oh, I, absolutely. Stephen and the Knight, I think, was the superior writer to Jeff Johns on Smallville. And I love Jeff Johns. I love him as a writer. But he's a, more of a comic book writer than a screenwriter. Yes. And, yes, his episodes are fantastic and flawless. But Stephen the Knight put so much more work into the series that he should have been given a two-hour episode. And, by the way, you are right. He did write Spell. Yeah. And, and to go off on go on Jeff Johns a little bit. You can, And this is not a slight against Jeff Johns, but you can see in episodes like Absolute Justice who who his favorite characters are. Mm-hmm. But, but with Stephen tonight, he likes all of the characters. Yes. I think that's the main difference. Not a slight against Jeff Johns, it's just, a, it's just an observation, but I think Stephen DeKnight's way of writing is better than Jeff Johns in that respect. Oh, absolutely. And Stephen DeKnight doesn't make everyone as much like Hal Jordan as possible. Yeah. But and Justice it, is the highest rated Smallville episode. Oh, really? Yes. Of that season or of all time? According to the wiki of all time. I don't know. I think Rosetta would still be, still be in that. I don't know. See, I'd vote because, justice, but I'm biased. Because the pilot got 8 million views. Yeah, I don't know. If you, count, if you count the pilot. But anyway, you don't need to know anything about comics to enjoy justice. Oh, no. Just enjoy that. Since Batman and Wonder Woman and Green Lantern, you pretty much got the Justice League. Oh, absolutely, it is the Justice League. And Bart Allen on Smallville, and the, I'm, this is going to go into a short little tangent rule, but okay. I, and I want to do runs, so we'll talk about this more then. Oh, please. Yes, we totally. Yeah, but um, we will. We, I'll expand on this when we do that episode, but I believe that Bart Allen on Smallville is definitely their equivalent of Barry Allen. I don't associate with him with the Impulse character. I know he took that name in the episode, but it was given to him. It wasn't his. Yeah. And if we and if you do see Run, we'll get get into it when we do Run. He has aliases of Jay Garrick, Barry Allen, Wally West. Who who are those who keep it score, score? Those are the other flashes in the DC universe. And Jay Garrick is actually in the Smallville universe too. Yes, he is. But but yeah, I, yeah, I can see your see your parallel of Bart Allen actually being Barry Allen because because here's the thing with Smallville and with the well with WB they will only allow um certain certain heroes to be name checked well and I know Stephen DeKnight wanted him to be Flash and, and apparently Warner Brothers and DC stopped that because the Flash script is still in its writing process, which I, I've never understood that reason, because because these things get shelved and rebooted all the time. Why does that even matter? Well, they're like four different versions of the Flash script. Yeah, and I want those to be ripped up in Jeff Johns to write one of them. 
He has one. Okay, good. Or he's working on one. Yes. But again, getting back to justice, it's just a fun ride. Just get a, get a, get a soda, get some popcorn, sit on the counter on your bed, and just have a good time. You don't need to know anything about comics, but there are some good comics references, especially um, the code names, which my favorite line is, Boy Scout. Clark's, Clark's saying Boy Scout is probably my, my favorite um my favorite shout out and we get to hear Watchtower for the first time. Yes. Oh, that got me hooked on Chloe right there. I knew nothing about the show or about Chloe when I first saw this episode. I watched it because it was the Justice League on TV and it was live action. And after I heard Watchtower, I'm like, I love this character. Yeah. My only gripe thinking about it now, though, they should have had John Jones in there. Uh, yeah, see, I had that gripe when I first watched it, but I'm like, you know what? He's in a few episodes later. So at least he's there at all. Yes, and for those who are keeping track, Oliver does say Quarter Maltese, which is a callback to Batman in the Batman comics, which is an island that's used in Batman continuity a lot. Yes, it is. I believe yeah. Bane. Yes. Bane goes there. Yes. Um. Again, it's just a fun ride. But to, to go on to some other episodes, we have to mention, um, Promise. Yes. Yes. Which, I don't know if this is just a small belt thing. Every wedding episode they've done, they've done the 24 hours earlier or or four hours earlier. Even finale wasn't really even centered around a wedding. Mm -hmm. It even had that. Yeah. Well, yeah. the first half of finale was. Yes. And I never understood why they needed to do that, but Promise was the forerunner. And you know what? At least they kept with continuity. Absolutely. With those kind of things. But this is the episode where Lana finds out Clark's powers. Mm -hmm. And we find out how really twisted Lex Luthor really is, or has become. Mm -hmm. And I think my favorite part of this is Aunt, Aunt Nell, who we haven't really seen since season two. When she left for Metropolis. Yes. Um, she gives Lana the idea you pretty much fake Chloe out so she can find out what's really up with Clark. Mm -hmm. Somebody's calling. Yeah, it. I love that they had Aunt Nell in that episode. Yeah. That was awesome because yeah. I didn't and think I they really, would do something. And I really love the fact that it's Aunt Nell of all people. And... Smallville has some really good dream sequences. The dream sequence of Clark in his tux killing Lex. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. scary. Yeah. And I loved in the teaser of Promise, Clark throws the epic picture of him and Lana out the window, which he really could have caught. And I, I, I've always assumed that he did. Yeah, um, I assume that too. Yeah. Because that was just a, and that, that's a callback to the prom episode, um, 
Spirit, which is one of Kenny and Mike's favorite episodes of season four. Ugh. And season season six, I mean, um, Promise has some great callbacks to the season one finale. Mm-hmm. One of the best Lex and Clark or Lex and um, Lionel scenes ever. Oh. When Lionel j- just like bitch slaps Lex. That's so great. Because really, Lionel and Lex throughout the whole bulk of this of the series go for a little tit for tag. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They go for like this verbal jousting, and I love that Glover just. Hauls up and slugs Rosenbaum and says, "Okay, enough, enough with that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have time for that. You, you killed your doctor because she was, he was covering up your little dirty little secret." Oh yeah. And, and great work by Michael Rosenbaum to show us a different side of Lex. He's sniveling, like um, Mr. Toad side of Lex. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we've never seen Lex desperate. Like no. that, the villainy desperate, and, and I really like that that we got to see that side of him. Mm-hmm. And this probably had Christian Crook's best dramatic performance, one of her best that you didn't want to punch her for, when she said yes to Lex, and she's in her little dressing room. Mm-hmm. Such a because it's all in the eyes with her. In that scene when she just said yes to Lex, and you just see the disgust and the shock in her face, because she she does it to protect Clark. Yeah. After after newly newly um father-in-law magnificent bastard Lionel <laughs> threatens threatens Clark's life, which I thought was great. Oh my gosh! I still, to this day, I still don't fully understand his meaning behind that, or his motive. Because he needed a mole, mole well, copyright Star Girls Hustle See, I understand that, but like, really? He? Yeah. I don't know. He uh, couldn't have got John Jones to go invisible and do it. They, they had yeah. been working together. And. I can't believe I almost forgot this, but the third big storyline in this whole season is this mysterious creature that Lex is trying to find. Mm-hmm. We see him in 601, but we have we have no idea who, what this wraith is from the Phantom Zone until the end, and I thought that was a great reveal. Oh, bizarro. I'm you. Only a little more bizarre. Yeah. Phantom, not not the best finale, but if you put Phantom up against Doomsday, which is the other infamous like season finale that almost everybody else hates, I think Phantom would win out. Oh, so you don't like Phantom? I like Phantom, but it's one of the, like the ones that people bash about being cheesy, mostly because we find out what really happened in season seven. But I don't think that should really devalue something. Well, see, I, I really like Phantom. I like 
Phantom better than I do, like, um, the season three finale. Yes. I, but, the name is Well, we still have some time here, guys. We have to mention, I think, probably the best Lex Clark episode in the latter half of Smallville's history. And, wait, to call Barney Stinson, wait for it, Nemesis. Nemesis. Um, Jody, Lana. and Jody Keenan, who we later find out is a, a, a soldier from Afghanistan that Lex more or less kidnapped. She's trying to find her husband, and she's kidnapped Lex, tied him up in some catacombs underneath small, Smallville, and as a result, Clark comes in to try to save him and um there's only one problem catacombs are filled with meteor rock dun 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 and lex and clark have to find their way out and during this you get some you get some epic dialogue between um clark and lex and one of my favorite clark and lex lines ever I expected Lex goes I I gave up the fact that you I feel like a friend a long time ago or something along those lines and Clark says, Were we ever really friends, Lex? Yeah. See I I say they are. Or were. And 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 Clark relays that to Martha. And Martha says something really poignant and similar, similar to like what people tell Pets later on. They relay this. Martha relays this message to Clark: Your greatest weakness is also your greatest strength. Your hope in people. Mm-hmm. But everybody's acting in this episode was spot on. Even Lana's. Even Kristen Kirk's. Yeah, Kristen Kirk in that episode is very devious. Yes. Like, by the way, she threatens Lionel. By the way, she goes into Lex's office and just goes through all his stuff, withholding information that could save his life until she realizes Clark is there. I love it when she shoots the gun into the briefcase. Oh. That's... And I'm glad they I'm glad they used that for the the next episodes or the next seasons like opening credits. Oh absolutely. That's such a great um, episode. I loved John Glover at the end with Lana speaking about Lana. You really have turned into a Luther, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Um another one we have to mention and and when I say we have to, these are just great episodes. Labyrinth. Labyrinth is really good. Advancement has infected Clark's mind. This kind of mirrors, and Penny and I have talked about this in our own personal life. Yes, we have personal lives, folks. We just don't come on a weekend podcast. We do do other things. Yes. This kind of mirrors the supernatural episode that uh, a genie or uh, some kind of demon infects Dean's mind mm-hmm. and takes him to this 
fantasy reality. And the gin. If you do my math correctly, I think it would have been great if those two episodes were back to back. Oh. Because you know they similar had they had similar storylines, but the episode starts out with a with a phantom infecting Clark's mind, and Clark is in a mental institution in Kansas. A doctor by the name of Hudson tells him he's been there for six years. Martha and Jonathan can't adopted him, but he's a human. Nothing has, nothing, everything that's happened to him has happened in his mind. Yeah, that's a weird episode. In this reality, Clark Kent's actually, and I like the fact that in this reality, Clark and Lana were in love from the start. Yes. I love that um, Jonathan Kent died a normal death. But he still died a heart attack, though, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. I love the fact that Chloe... Oh, and that reminds me of something, but we'll, we'll finish this up and go on to the next thing. But um, I love that Chloe, following in the footsteps of her mother, has developed some kind of mental illness. Mm-hmm. That she's kind of like whacked out of her gourd. Um, my favorite thing in this episode, though, aside from Rosenbaum with no legs. That was weird. Yeah, and scary. And and scary. I thought he was gonna fall over when he started pushing himself because he goes he back. Shoot Clark. <laughs> well, he I goes. Really, he goes I backwards really like he's gonna fall. I thought he was just gonna pull up and shoot Clark. Um, what I my favorite thing in this episode though, beyond um those things we just mentioned, I loved the reality of where Clark got all of the names. Yeah. When Arthur Curry is an orderly or a fellow patient, Jor-El is a, a liquid soap. Mm-hmm. Still there, Penny? Yeah, I'm still here. Raya is a nurse. Yes, a black fat nurse. Yes. <laughs> and I love. I think my favorite one is the soap because it's a. Well, sure. Why not? Sure, the soap. Yeah, that is pretty funny. I agree. Yes. And so, just some quick things. I love the episode. Um, hold on. We have to mention, we have to mention Progeny. Help me out here too. What's the episode where we can meet Chloe's mom? Progeny. Progeny. The great Linda Carter, a.k.a. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. I'll fade us out with this song. Um. Not really. Well, yes. Linda Carter plays Chloe's mother. What's her first name? Oh. Mora. Mora. Mariah. Yeah, something like that. And this is just my own fan pick again. I've assumed that Chloe's mother and Lois's mother are sisters. Yeah. And that's how Chloe and Lois are related. I would assume so. Terry Hatcher looks like she could be um, Linda Carter's sister. 
They do look pretty similar. I will yeah. agree with that. Because I'm not, because I'm not buying Michael Ironside related to Linda Carter, which would be awesome though. It would be awesome. That would be awesome. That could work. But I could not see Chloe's dad and Michael Ironside, Sam Lane being brothers, even though that would be kind of funny. Well, I could yeah. see Sam Lane and Chloe's uh, mom being siblings. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I could totally see that. But Chloe finds out why her mother. If you if you remember from earlier seasons, Chloe's mother is actually in an institution, and we actually do see Chloe visit her in season five. Yes, we do, and she's blonde when she visits her, and now she's yeah. black haired. Retcon. 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 Yes, they dyed her. They dyed her hair in the insane Yes. That's weird. <laughs> Creepers. Yes. Yes, they have hair dyeing the insane asylum. But that Linda Carter being Chloe's mom, I thought was a great casting thing. Mm-hmm. And it was great to see Chloe as the main character, to have Chloe have the spotlight from one episode. I think that was the exact opposite of everyone's favorite noir. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Noir shouldn't even exist to begin with. I mean, yes, there were some great throwbacks to the George Reeves show, but other than that. Yes. Um, Lana, Lana gets shot outside of, or in the elevator of the Daily Planet. And I'm sorry, did you laugh when, when you see Lana in the elevator door and the door just goes back and forth back and forth back and forth i still laugh harder when duncan gets run over by the car and reunion oh yes oh yes we didn't mention that one no we didn't basically jimmy gets knocked out we won't get into how he thinks he's an investigative reporter at the daily planet and this is like an award dc comics or let's be more specific, Detective Comics, because that was what DC was before they really went into superheroes. Yes. Um, well, that's what the acronym stands for, too. Yes. Yes. And he thinks that he's trying to crack a case that relates itself to what is going on in present time or in reality. I can't believe Brian and Kelly wrote this episode, and Juno Schwartz. Um, directed this episode because it's just I'm, so bad. I'm a fan of both of the all three of these people, and I can't believe those people came up with an episode that I don't like so much. I know and it's just so hate, bad. I um, I don't hate it either. I just but, wouldn't watch it again. And really, it's one of those classic small mouth things of. This should have been episode five. This should have been like episode seven. This should not have been after um, Nemesis. Kind of the same way Descent shouldn't have, um, Sleeper shouldn't have followed, followed Descent. Yeah, in a similar fashion to that, definitely. Yes. Um... The high spots of this episode are how everyone's dressed in 
in their clothing, and there are some callbacks to Silver Age, Silver Age, and Golden Age, um, um, Superman continuity. Correct? Absolutely. I mean, I always considered the George Reeves series, even though it was filmed during the Silver Age, I considered it to be Golden Age. Yes. Well, it kind of started at the beginning of the Silver Age, but more it had it had a more Golden Age feel. Yeah. Um, I loved the way Tom Welling looked. Very old school Superman. I loved Lois in her, let's call it her Chicago, no pun intended, Petty. Mm. Her Chicago garb. And I, w- I wonder if it really was her singing that song. I think it was, because it sounds like her. Yes. And, and Miss Erica Durance. Why do you have a wonderful singing voice? <laughs> But I think we should end this with one of Petty's favorite episodes, um, Reunion. Oh, yes. Reunion. This is the episode where um, Oliver Queen and Lex Luthor both go to their Excelsior Academy reunion. And I've always kind of assumed that Excelsior was pretty much Hogwarts for rich rich humans yeah hogwarts xavier same same deal but as we find out oliver was a big bully and lex was a was a a member of the high school musical no he's kidding that's an in joke if you don't know the guy that plays young lex in this episode lucas graybill was in the high later went on to do the high school musical franchise and also played Alexander slash Connor Kent in season ten of Smallville. I think he, believe it or not, I think he, the next big thing he did was High School Musical after Smallville, which is kind of funny to me. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's cool. we do find out what because we we see earlier on in the season that Lex and Oliver have a past. We don't know what it is. It's referred to by Lionel. A little bit, but we don't really know why. And then we find out that Lex had a friend named Duncan, McLeod. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> a friend named Duncan Ellenmeyer. Yes. Who, who Lex and Oliver pretty much killed. Yeah. Um, basically, in a nutshell, what happened is Lex wanted to be popular. He got Oliver on his side. Duncan didn't really want to go with it. Lex beat up Duncan. Duncan ran right in front of a car and gets totally smashed, just like in the Terminator movies. Or or in the um, Final Destination movies. I think it should also be mentioned that Duncan was a poor kid, while Oliver and Lex, of course, were, were rich kids. Rich kids. And, I'm, rich kids, I should say. and I'm still going to say... It's it's one of my favorite scenes of the show. It makes me laugh every time when he gets hit by that car. I can see why this this episode for me. I I assume the reason Oliver is such a bully is he's still reeling over the death of his parents. Yeah, yes. And he might subconsciously think that Lionel Luther had something to do with it. Which he does. Which we later find out he does. Um, Lex, in this part of the continuity, I love the Warrior Angel call callbacks in this episode too. Mm-hmm. 
Lex, I, I think by this time, Julian Luther w was dead, was just recently murdered, and this is when the rumors started about with Lex and his brother. Plus, there's the baldness factor. Yes, there's the baldness factor. And really, now that I've seen a little bit of Supernatural, it looks like an episode of Supernatural to me. Yeah, it really does, because it's a ghost, essentially, yeah. that's haunting you, them. You find out that, um, that Duncan, through telekinesis, being treated with meteor rock, mm -hmm. is still alive, and he's been killing Lex and Oliver's old classmates to try to get revenge on them. Yep. And I love the discussion that Lex and and before we close this up, this episode's like hallmark to me is we see in the last flashback Lex beating up beating Duncan to a pulp. And that and, that part I do not laugh at because that part is Creepy. Yeah, because the other guys in that flashback, they kind of, like, cheer on Lex, but then they real start to see how badly he's beating them up. Yeah, and they're like, wait a minute, this isn't good, and then they, then they and, stop. And to me, this is the, the beginning of Lex becoming the Lex we all know and love. Yes. Because the look on Lucas Gregor's face... It's a lack scary. Is is angry and is evil. Absolutely. But again, season six to wrap this up is a great season. May not have the best beginning to end arc that season nine does, but it is a great season. It yeah, it is. It really is, guys. And like I said, it is the season that got me hooked. And if I'm this hooked on Smallville from one episode, it's obviously a good season. Yeah, and I think it was a good season to bring on a new audience. Because with these kind of standalone episodes that you had in season six, it was easy for a, for a new viewer to catch on. Absolutely. Because it was a new network. It was, you know, essentially a new audience with a new time slot. You know, it was good for it was good for the show, and then we got into the more mythos for season seven. Yeah, and I think they wrote it that way for on purpose. Yes. But, they but, to, but to close up, I tweeted to the Twitter, to the Twitter of across the airwaves how you Zoom users, if you have Zooms, and have Windows computers, can listen to across the airwaves. If you have any. If you have any problems or any questions about subscribing to our podcast, um, once again, if you have a BlackBerry smartphone, if you have the desktop software for Windows or Mac, and and not to be too snobby, you need iTunes by now. Yeah, you just it's, do. it's kind of an essential, guys. Yeah. A Windows media player is not even close to iTunes. If you have Windows, if you have Please just download iTunes and like, like let go of your snobbery for for once. Because if you have iTunes and you have Windows, the Windows desktop software for BlackBerry, you can sync all your podcasts over there. Easy, 
connects automatically. Again, if you have any questions about subscribing to the podcast, if you don't have an iPod or iTunes, if you have a Zoom, if you have a BlackBerry smartphone, contact me at WSK9002. That's my Twitter. And Petty's Twitter is... MJPetty7. We want, we want to thank Dan and Nico. Please follow us at our Twitter at... Across Airwaves, just Across Airwaves. No and thought. you can also find us on Facebook. I haven't been on there recently, but Nico up, updates it all the time. Yeah, and yeah, he does. Yep. And you guys can also um, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. A lot of times we have Across Airwaves videos up there. I know Nico has his new Across Airwaves daily show on there. I don't know if he's going to continue doing that. I think he should. I think it. I think it worked really well. I don't know if you've seen that yet, Wu, but I think it's pretty cool. I will check that out, sir. And we also have an email. Yes, and that is across the airwaves at gmail dot com. And at the time of recording, we are one week shy of Halloween. And for me personally, Tuesday is my birthday. Oh, happy birthday! Tuesday, Tuesday is my birthday. I will be twenty six years old. Happy birthday to me! Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. And I live in a zoo. I know, I know. Happy birthday uh, to Woo Kim. Happy birthday to you. All right, I'm done. But for the purpose of... My point is, we're one week away from Halloween. That's my point. And we will be doing a Halloween Smallville podcast episode. We're not sure what episodes we're going to do, but we are sure we're going to come with Thirst. Thirst. Yes. Yes. The greatest episode in Smallville history. Absolutely. So for, so for Michael J. Pettian, my name is Wu S. Kim. See you later, guys. Have a great week. You just stole my thunder right there. Well, you say goodbye, man. I, I will say goodbye. For, for our Across the Airwaves host, Dan Schmidt and Nico Rexek, I am your host, Michael J. Petty. Yes, he did, sir. And it's no message. We will catch you out there. Bye, guys.